Monsignor. We have your silver. We caught this man red-handed. Get the nerve to say you gave him this. That is right. But my friend, you left so early. Surely something slipped your mind. You forgot. I gave these also. Would you leave the best behind? And what is up, podcast people and soundtrack geniuses around the world? You are listening to The Soundcast, the official podcast of tracksounds.com. You're listening to a special bonus episode where we're going to be talking about the recently released film, musical, thing, Les Miserables. Christopher Coleman, I'm your host, and on the Soundcast, we do talk about all things film, television, and video game music related, and apparently Broadway music related as well. Um, Today, we have just one other guest who was bold and gutsy enough to come on to talk about this um, very special uh, presentation of the musical in movie form, Les Miserables. Helen San, how are you doing? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you. Good. And you're not in Peru. You're in North America. Uh, you're in the United States, in the state of West Virginia, and in the same time... Well, you were in the same time zone before, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, but you're much closer. Much, and, much closer. And that is awesome. And you're going to be even much, much, much closer uh, not too long from, from now with your whole family. So um, that will be cool if we can meet. Yes. Uh, which, I'll be in Orlando next week, so... yeah. So we've known of each other, known each other since like the late 90s. So it's kind of wild that it, you know, after however many years, 15, 16, 17 years, we get to meet face to face. So I'm looking That'd forward be cool. to that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're, we will dispense with uh, the normal portions of a regular Soundcast episode, hence the bonus title here. And we're just going to dive straight into Les Miserables. And I think um, we'll be able to have a pretty good discussion about this, uh, as I think we're, we're, we're going to be on two different sides of the coin here. Um, so Les Miserables open on Christmas Day, uh, a wide opening. It's done really well at the box office. It's selling like crazy on Amazon and iTunes. It's in the um, Billboard's top, uh, I forgot what it was now. I know it was definitely in the top 200, but I think it's much higher than that. Um, the exact position, I don't remember. Um, so we've both seen it. I've seen it twice. You you were going to see it twice. Did you see it twice? I saw it twice, yes. You saw it twice. Uh-huh. See, now you paid to see it twice. I have the screener so I could see it for free twice <laughs> because yeah. I wouldn't pay to see it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was what I was going to say. It didn't sound like you would pay to see it. Yeah, no. I paid. And I not only paid, but the second time around, I brought four extra people oh, to wow. see it. Yes, I paid for them too. Wow. That's how much I like it. In 3D and 48 frames per second in Dolby Atmos. Uh, no, just no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it didn't. It doesn't need all that. Right. Um, well, before we get right into the guts of the movie itself, uh, I think it's important that we at least have some idea of where we're coming from, and the listeners as well, of where we're coming from in terms of our background with uh, the story. 
uh, and then the musical and then the movie. Um, so are you a fan of musicals in general? Helen? Yes, I love musicals. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm one of those film music fans that are not, you know, that's not just film score. I like song tracks. I like musicals. I like it all. Okay, got it. Um, I like some musicals. I wouldn't call myself a musical fan just in general like like I pay attention to what's coming out and what you know I I don't um <laughs> so I wouldn't call myself um you know a a a, a musical music a Broadway what do you what do you call yourself Broadway nerds musical nerds I have um, no idea <laughs> geniuses I guess it should be that's what we'll start Broadway musical genius um yeah I, I you know there's a few that I know of Les Miserables being one of them um, but I wouldn't call myself a fan uh, in, in general. Um, what are some of your favorite musicals, just for some context? Aside well, from Les, Les Mis was, yeah. <laughs> of course, uh, my favorite of all time. Then there's Phantom of the Opera. There's Cats. Uh, Joseph and the Amer- Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Hmm. Uh, yeah, all that. I just buy all those CDs. I, I've never been to Broadway, but I listen to the CDs a lot. Okay, okay. That's good context. Yeah. Um, what about then your ex- now? Like my favorites, Les Mis would be in there. Um, now, do you consider Disney? You know, the musical Disney films. Do you consider those musicals and a part of the things that you like? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do. Okay. I like Disney musicals too. Okay, see, those would be the musicals I would say more often than not that I like is 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 the type of musical that they that they put together. Um, so then what's your, what's been your experience with Les Mis prior to seeing the film? Well, I read the book a long time ago, loved the book, um, loved this, you know, cast recording on CD, used Mm -hmm. to listen to it all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen, um, the 98 feature film with Liam Neeson and Uma Thurman. Mm -hmm. And, um... But I've never, I've never been to Broadway. I've always wanted to see this in theater and never got to. So it was a real treat to be able to see the film, you know, yeah. the the film re- version of the musical. Okay, okay. Um, well, I read like portions of the book long, so long ago that you know I really didn't remember very much other than kind of recognizing a name here or there. <coughs> um, but really, 1998, when the feature film came out, uh, that was directed by Billy August, that was my real first experience uh, in in adulthood to where I could actually remember and uh, actually experience the story of Les Miserables. Of course, it was recently um, a massive novel written by Victor Hugo, a much, much, much larger, much even more sprawling, uh, or at least in, ta- in terms of time that it covers... And events within that time than than any film I think is done or musical. I don't know if you could do the full book in one in one thing, no matter what that medium was. Um, but I love the 1998 film, uh, as you mentioned, Liam Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson Jeffrey Rush, uh, Uma Thurman, Claire Danes. I love that film. I still love it to this day. Uh, and, and that was really my first real experience, and I think that has a lot to do with it. And I also think it's a fairly well-made film, although it's very somber, as one would expect. Um, and Billy August, if those of you didn't know, he's the husband of Pernilla August, who played Shmi Skywalker in the prequels. So 
You may not have known that. I didn't know that till very recently. Um, there is, I don't know if you have Netflix, uh, watch instantly, but there is a two part series there that was made in, uh, 2000 that stars Gerard Depardieu and John Malkovich, um, which is absolutely horrible. It, I couldn't get past the first 15 minutes. It was so bad. And apparently it's a two part series as it's released on Netflix Watch Instantly, but it's, it was originally edited down from a four part series. So like a huge block of the, of the story is missing, uh, from this presentation apparently. Um, but it is on net, Netflix Watch Instantly. If someone listening to this, and I doubt anyone who's not had any connection to this story has not seen it or read it in some form or another. But if somehow you're listening and you have it, um, that's there. You can watch it for free, although I cannot recommend it. It is horrible. Um, what about the, uh, back in 2010, there was a 25th uh, anniversary concert that was put together. Uh, it's actually on YouTube. You can watch the whole almost three hours worth. Did, have you seen that? No, no. I was in Peru, so I was kind of out of, okay. you know, touch with things like that. Yeah, well, it was, you know, released on Blu-ray and whatnot, but it's been, I don't know how long it's been on YouTube, but you can watch the whole thing there okay. for free. And it's its spectacular, and, and I'll talk more about that later okay. um, as we start talking about the film. But I've seen that. Um, I've seen I've seen some videos of the stage play, as it were, uh, as well. Um, and then, of course, that brings us to 2012, where we have director Tom Hooper's um, presentation of Les Miserables, the musical phenomenon. I always, I've been kind of intrigued by that subtitle since I first heard it. Of course, Tom Hooper is director of The King's Speech, uh, and he won Best Director Oscar back in 2010 uh, for that film. Um, so what would you say, what was your expectation before seeing the film um, were you apprehensive at all, or were you just excited to see it? It was way up there because the trailer just showed Anne Hathaway singing I Dreamed a Dream, and she was spectacular. So I just, you know, I, uh, yeah, my hopes were up in the clouds. Hmm. Okay. So now, did you like, did you like uh, the King's Speech? Did you see the King's Speech? And did no, you like no, it? no, I did not. Okay. Okay. I listened uh, to the score by Depla, but I didn't. Uh, it, it's, I mean, I don't know if it's the best director quality film. I mean, it's well done, but um, it's it's worth watching, I would say. Um, but I didn't, I, I wasn't looking at it as something that was going to prepare me for what the, this movie was going to hold. And it really, I guess there are, there are some things that he, some techniques that he brings over into Les Mis, but I, I was a little... I was a little indifferent, to be honest, um, because, you know, I loved the, the 1998 film so much, and I liked the music um, as performed by the um, the original cast and subsequent cast um, from from the London companies. Uh, and so I was just like, well, you know, I, I guess what I was curious about was what are they going to do um, to expand on what the musical does how are they going to take advantage of this movie medium and, and that was what i was most curious about um and so that was those were my expectations going into the film um so let's let's dive into the film itself uh what 
what's your what was your and it's hard to talk about the film apart from the music because the music is the film and the film is the music so we can't really split them up if you don't know the plot of Les Miserables and you don't want to know then I would tune out now because it's just going to be spoilers from here on in um but Helen what was what's your what was your general reaction to your first viewing of the film my general reaction was I cried for two hours straight (laughs) (laughs) I think uh yeah pretty much I cried for two hours straight after after um Valjean left got on parole all the way until he died, I was crying nonstop in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> even so. even during even during the Sasha Baron Cohen and Helen Bonham Carter well, scenes. Okay, maybe there was a pause <laughs> from the crying, but <laughs> actually, that's the start part. I started crying. <laughs> I see. <laughs> it's like make it stop, make it stop. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so you but, cried. Yes, start it was very th- moving. I love the story. So you know the the story got to me. Now what I I didn't like was the singing. I was so used to the Broadway cast recording yeah. that the singing was just atrocious to me. <laughs> Wait, but you said now Anne Hathaway in the trailer is what got you. Yeah, she was. She's amazing. She's good. Amanda Seafried, is that how you pronounce her last yes. name? Yeah. Amanda Seafried was good. They're the only two good singers in the movie. Oh, are you I mean, Hugh wow, Jackman's good, but you know, I don't know. There's something about the the way they project their voices in on Broadway that's very different from on film, and I was used to the other one, so... Sure. Well, it, it's interesting to me that, that you found it, because you're not alone. I, I know a lot of people <coughs> who who were just basket cases watching this film. But you know the story. You've seen it portrayed in other ways. Did you have an emotional reaction to the 98 film when you watched it? You know, I have to say I didn't like that film very much, and I don't know why. I have no idea. Um, Because I love the story, and I thought I would like it, but um, I only watched it once. Wow. Yeah. Back in 98? Right. When it first came out, I went to the theater, and I I never bought it on video. Oh wow! I would yeah. re- I would revisit it. I, I would recommend revisiting. Yeah, I probably it. should. It, it's I think it's worth it. Now I ha- I was well. I don't know where to start on this. The ninety eight film. I didn't cry, and I'm not one to if something moves me to cry. I'm like whatever. I'll cry. Um, doesn't happen in the theater. It happens more in watching in my house. But. I mean, I felt very emotional during that film because I, I just didn't know the story and and the and the themes of redemption and all these things and um, you know the self sacrifice and all of this that was going on. So that really moved me when I saw it in '98. So going to this, you know, and having then heard the music, listened to the musical so many times in between, it's just like I know where this, I know what's happening, I know what's going to go on. So surprisingly, even to myself. I was completely emotionally neutral through the entire film. It it didn't move me at all, and and I'm one who will get moved by a, by a film. Um, I, it, that's not an uncommon uh, experience for me, um, uh, and I have no problem in admitting that. But for some reason, I just was a, I just was a spectator watching things happen on the screen, and. I don't know why, but I felt no connection to anybody. And I, I do know partly why, and you've already hit on it, because a lot of the singing was horrible. It um, well, some, was. some was passable, <laughs> and then there was one in particular 
who was horrible. Russell Crowe. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, I mean, from God. the first note of the first song, you know, the, the look down, it was like, wait, stop. <laughs> what is happening here now? What did he just... It just, oh my gosh. I man. kept thinking, couldn't they have cast someone who could sing? <laughs> that's, yeah, see, that's, well, we'll get into that too. Okay. Uh, why don't we break it down as well? Let's just, just kind of go through um, the, the, the actors that were cast and just talk about that a little bit. Um, now, you kind of already talked about Hugh Jackman. You weren't that thrilled with his performance? I mean, I expected more from him because I, I know that he performed on Broadway. So, you yeah. know, I thought that he could do it but for some reason his he just did not project you know um enough presence to carry the film and jean valjean is the you know the main character yeah. so to yeah to me I, I wasn't very impressed with his performance like i said you know i'm used to i'm used to the broadway cast recording so See, the, the interesting point with that is, as you mentioned, Amanda Seyfried and um, Anne Hathaway as being your two favorite of that cast. Huh? Um, but <coughs> the di supposedly the big deal about this film is that, hey, we're going to record their performances live as they happen. They're not going to be lip sync, you know, pre-recorded and lip sync, which is you know typically how these things are done for right. film. Um so the whole point being is, well, they'll be able to emote and they'll be able to act. And, you know, I think that's what people love so much about Anne Hathaway's performance. But I haven't heard the same praise being heaped upon Hugh Jackman, which, you know, I was moved by his performance as much as I was moved by Anne Hathaway, which, as I already said, was not much. It was just kind of like, oh, OK. I mean, it didn't feel like bad acting, but it also didn't. I wasn't empathizing with either of them. Um, in their performance. So it's interesting to me that you would say that um, that you didn't feel like his performance, because I'm thinking about his, his first, um, not the Look Down performance, but um, what's the name of the uh, the song that he sings? Uh, gosh, I forget the name of the song that he sings. The second song that he sings. You know, once he's, once he's been forgiven by the priest. And do you know the name of that song? Uh... Hold on. Um, yeah, I can't think of it either. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to pull up the list now so we don't have this, this uh, problem anymore. But um, when he's singing that song, you know, he's he is he's pretty emotional uh, in that song, and you didn't find that you didn't find that moving. Yeah, yeah, he he was moving. Just um, like I said, it it was a letdown after being used to the Broadway cast recording. I, see. I think it's called the "What Have I Done?" Uh, Valjean's soliloquy. That's what it's called on the uh, on the soundtrack release, the highlights okay. release. Right. Valjean's soliloquy. Um, uh, yeah, that that piece. Uh, you know, he's pretty emotional in it, and. But, you know, I, you were saying he wasn't projecting, but he could do what the Broadway singers could not do. You know, I mean, to where sometimes they're just actually speaking the words, mm -hmm. you know, as as just a monologue instead right. of singing. Um, so did so that didn't work for you with Hugh Jackman. But did that did that come through in Anne Hathaway's performance to you? I, I didn't like that in anybody in the okay. film. I like I said I was used to the singing and when they spoke the words it just wasn't the same for me that was the one thing I didn't like. Okay, 
Okay. I think you've said about two or three things are the one things you did <laughs> already. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so, Russell Crowe, I don't know if we even want to say too much because I think it's been said so many times on the internet. I don't know anyone who really has liked his performance. Um, it, it it was just was very off-putting, his voice. Even though he can carry a tune, it just it just wasn't. It wasn't menacing, and it just didn't feel right. He reminded me of uh, Pierce Brosnan in Mamma Mia. Did you oh, see gosh. that? Oh, gosh. Uh, no, but I have seen some video clips of his performance. <laughs> it's just flats. There's, I mean, it's not that his pitch was off. It was just flat in yes. some way. And I, yeah. Well, what I compare, what I ha- can't help to compare it to is Norm Lewis's um, performance in the um, 25th anniversary um concert version uh it's magnificent i mean and he's a black guy and he's playing and he's playing javert and it's and it's just so every song i mean if you compare song by song oh my gosh there's so much more power so much more emotion in norm lewis's performance than than russell crowe's and that's really i mean he's the villain he you know he needed to be to me top notch now he fits the role in terms of look and feel and if he was actually there was like quote-unquote acting happening which i guess there is in a way but i struggle with that we'll talk about that too acting traditional acting going on i think he could have been a really good javert um but not in a musical role no it just didn't work um some people can't um pat their tummy and (laughs) <laughs> rub their belly and well he could pat, sword fight and sing apparently pat their head at the same time so. <laughs> that would seem pretty hard to do but he pulled that off uh and he was able to uh, jump off of a bridge oh i guess he wasn't singing at that point <laughs> <laughs> um what about uh, helena bonham carter's uh performance in sasha baron cohen's what? performance um i I thought Helena Bonham Carter was okay, but I was really taken with Sasha Baron Cohen. I just loved his Thinagier. I did. I did. I don't know why, but he he stole that show for me. That whole, you know, whenever he appeared, he just lit up the screen. (laughs) I was very um, impressed by his fake French French accent. Yeah. No, he he did a good job. He sounded exactly the way I <laughs> thought a French innkeeper should sound <laughs> when speaking English. A British so. French innkeeper. Right. <laughs> uh, um, I liked it. I like, and I'm not a big fan of that guy. You know, uh, Borat. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I like Hen- Helena Bonham Carter. No matter what she's in, she's always a fantastic actress. Um, not a big fan of Sasha Baron Cohen. I do think they did a passable job, but the song, "The Master of the House," I lo- the, the song itself, I love. But the way it's performed here is so thin compared to how it's performed in the Broadway musical, um, especially in the 25th uh, anniversary edition where they have this, you know, a huge choir to back them up. It's so, it's so, and the whole crowd is singing along with him. It's so much weight to it, and it's so much more, in my opinion, so much more fun than than even the fun that they have in the film. It just feels very, very thin, and and I didn't, I, I don't know. It I just, think that applies to every single song in this film. That it's all thin compared to the Broadway, you know, the Broadway performance. Yeah. All of it. Not not as even even Anne Hathaway's "I Dreamed a Dream." is you know which is the best song in the film it's still thin compared to 
you know, the the professionals, I like to call them. <laughs> the professional singers. Yes, the professional yeah. singer-actors, um, as opposed to actor-singers. Yes, exactly. Well, let's, let's talk about that a little. Um, this is one of my major problems with this film. Um, it's because it's a movie, and it's a major... Ten, not tentpole release, but it's a major, uh, it's a major film being released as a major feature film. Therefore, that means as you go through that formula, we must have A-list actors who will draw an audience. Um, and I think that starting from that premise was the downfall of the film. I agree um, with you. Yeah, Hugh Jackman was passable. Um, I did expect more, but I didn't wasn't disappointed by him. Um, Anne Hathaway. You know, I have to be honest, I'm not a big fan of hers from, from the get-go, although I did like her a lot in Dark Knight Rises. It's probably the only movie I really liked her in, and, and, and as far as her acting performance. Um, Amanda Seyfried, her, I thought she was horrible. Her voice, because it was the vibretto, the constant falsetto going on with every single note she sang, I wanted to pull my eyeballs out. It was just, it, it just got, I don't know, I can't even explain it. It was like... Fingernails on a chalkboard. I mean, when they were, you know, when they're doing the trio of her and um, 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 Eddie Redmayne and Samantha Barks, when they're singing, what is the song that they're singing? I can't remember the titles of these songs, but they're doing that trio. Yeah. And um, Heartful of Love. Heartful of Love. It was great until she would chime in. And I'm like, oh, it's like Tiny Tim was chiming in. <laughs> and I was like, oh, just please stop. It's, it was so grating. And even more so the second time I saw it, I almost had to leave. It was it was so painful. Um, but you have all these A-list actors that you have to cast, and not to mention Russell Crowe, of course. You have to cast because they will draw people in, and no doubt you had Russell Crowe fans there. You had Hugh Jackman fans there. You had all you know fans of all of these actors and actresses. Um, but they all can't really sing that great. And this is first and foremost a musical. And so that was my from from that point I was like that's a mis- I understand why but it's a mistake and I can't give them a pass on that because I you could have cast some unknown folks who could sing and act and really pulled it off but they wouldn't be a draw audience wise I don't understand why they couldn't have just cast the Broadway cast because you know? they wouldn't draw, they wouldn't draw anyone. No one. I knows don't know. You know, there's enough people who know about Les Mis, who have seen the Broadway show or seen it in theater, who are fans of the the franchise, but, that would go yeah. to see it. There's a lot, but there's a lot more people who know Anne Hathaway, who know Russell Crowe, who know Hugh Jackman, who know Amanda Seyfried, and they're going to go because they're in it. I see. Uh, I don't that, know. And I, the, that's just the formula. That's just what. They, that's just what they do. That's what Hollywood does. Even though this is a British movie, that's just how the system works. And because we, me, you and I both know there are other people out there who could have done a better job in those roles. Right, of uh, course. But people don't know them. They're like, who? Norman Lewis? Who's that? I'm like, I don't know who that is. They want to see Wolverine and, and Catwoman. <laughs> yeah, they want to see the, the, the stars. That's just it. They want to see the stars. And so that, for me, is what doomed the film from the get-go. Um, it was not going to – and because they said, we're going to make a movie of the musical. The musical is the foundation. So the music is the core. And so from, from my perspective – 
you've got to nail the music before anything. And and that wasn't that's not what they did. They had to get stars first, the best stars they could find who could pass. And and to me that was I understand it but it was a mistake. I agree with you. Yeah, 100% because I was very so disappointed with like the singing. So why did you like it so much? <laughs> How did you like it so much? No, but let me say this, though. Samantha Barks, who plays Eponine uh-huh. in the film, she's from the Broadway musical. And, and you can tell. <laughs> you can tell. You can absolutely tell. I mean, there, there are secondary characters who, I'm, as soon as their mouths open, I'm like, wow. Yes. Um, you can tell who, which ones you yes. know, sing professionally. Um, like uh, the foreman, I think, in um, – in the factory, you know, he, oh, he was acting and was. singing powerfully at the same time. I was like, yeah. I bet he was in the cast. <laughs> yeah, he probably <laughs> was. He probably was. Now, Eddie Redmayne, I guess he's been in other musicals before. I wasn't really thrilled with his voice, but I, I, you know, I thought he did a, did a passable job. Um, the guy who played the, the, really the, the lead rebel, I forget how to pronounce his name, uh, Enhorlas or En... en Angelus. En- yeah, I don't know how to say it with the French accent, in, in Horlas or something like yeah. that. Um, Aaron, uh, I don't know how to say his last name, Taviet. He, I thought when he sang, my ears perked up. And I thought he was an amazing singer. And the thing about that is it, it immediately casts a spotlight on the deficiencies of the stars. Yes. <laughs> and I was yes. like, why did they – I, I – don't, they got outshadowed by the supporting cast, the no-name really, supporting cast, right? Yes. It because really they could sing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so I ended up like, wow, those guys were great, but the main people weren't great. Should that be the case? To me, that shouldn't be the case. Um, is there anything else, anyone else we haven't talked about specifically from the cast? I really like the little boy, Daniel Huddleston. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gavroche. Yeah. He was I agree. he was actually uh, a, a scene stealer. He was pretty he was. good. He was. Like where did they find that boy? Yeah, he was a little cockney French guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny to have these British accents doing, you know, who are representing French people. Right. But but yeah, I agree with you. He he was quite good. I did like him. Um so now let's talk about this in terms of it being a film because that's what it is in the end. Do you think that uh, the director, uh, Tom Hooper, took advantage of that uh, to its fullest? Well, the only advantage film has over theater is that you can see close-ups of the faces. And he did do a lot of close-ups oh, of the faces yeah. when, when they sang. So the yes. acting was, uh, you know, was taken advantage of, I guess, is – yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh that and I and that's kind of where his King's speech kind of thing comes in where they did a lot of close-ups. He he likes to use his, you know, big wide-angle lens and then get right up, you know, close. Yeah, you to can the face. see the pores on Eddie Redmayne's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does have big pores. <laughs> um that's that true. Pretty and, close. And and it, that was uh, I guess an advantage. Um and the other one, at least the one other one that jumps out to me is you can make the scope of the film much larger, which they tried to do. I mean, the the, the opening shot with the with the boat, uh, the ship, and then some of the other s- establishing shots of the city, you know, were were very huge shots that you can't do on a, 
on a Broadway stage. Um, but they looked horrible. I mean, I was very distracted by the lack of quality in the uh, CGI for those shots. It was just, it was not good. And, and so instead of me getting pulled in, I was immediately pushed away because I was like, oh, that's not a good look. They look like theater sets, but on screen. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, you're right. They did. And it's like, well, what's the point of that? If you're going to make a movie, why are you replicating the look of a stage? Right. That, that was a mistake, sense too. To me. Uh, so that's like six things now. <laughs> six one things that you didn't like. Um uh, so I don't think he took advantage of 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 it being a movie, at, really at all. Um, I, it feels like he filmed the musical and added some CG environments uh, to set it up. Uh, the other thing, and I'll tell you the truth: what I was expecting, I was expecting the Disney style of musical. I was expecting a hybrid of. Uh, the 1998 film with the musical where you would have some great scenes of dialogue between Javert and Jean Valjean. And then you would have a song, you know, you'd have a great scene uh, of Fantine, um, you know, going through that, that horrific um, descent into m madness or just the descent into losing everything and losing her pride, losing everything. And then you would have the song, uh, I Dreamed a Dream. And so when it was really the musical and, you know, where it was all, it was essentially, you know, all of the libretto, the lines being sung, that w that got very irritating to me. In a film context, in a musical, I'm like, well, that's what a musical is. Even though a lot of musicals, they have dialogue and they talk normally and then they break into song. Um, that really wore on me by the end. Of, I was just like, please just talk to each other. Have you just seen say it. Evita? I've never seen Evita. Okay, because Evita is Evita's exactly the same way, which is, you know, all singing. There's no dialogue at all. But the singers could actually sing. Madonna, of course, is a professional singer. And yeah. um, she's not a good actor, but she's, you know, it's the, the, the singer-actor part, you know, the actor uh, role yeah. defers to the singer, singer part. So she actually was able to carry the film very well now, because her singing Banderas is so good. So was he, the, was he the one who played opposite her, Antonio Banderas? Yes, yes. Okay, and, and he and can he, sing too. He is. Like, He's a very good singer. Um, Jonathan Price is the other main character there, uh, okay. who played Peron, and they are all exceptional singers. So you didn't get distracted by the bad singing, and okay. the sets were amazing. So that was one film that really succeeded, I think, in Interesting. in uh, using film and you know the the scope of film and to uh to capture the spirit of the Broadway musical that had no dialogue at all okay well i don't know if i could after this experience i don't know if i even want to try but <laughs> i'm i may try to watch that and, and see if if i don't have the same reaction cuz really by the end of the film i was i i was like please just talk uh it was it really it and, and i don't think it was it, Maybe it did have to do with the quality of the singing too, but I was just dying for some dialogue. I, re I really was. I think if you're not expecting, uh, you know, all singing, then yeah, it, it starts to grate on you. But well, if yeah. you know that this is this is what it is, then the second well, time once, around, you know, for example. 
Yeah, no, no, oh. it, I was, it's still, it's still, you know, and here's, and here's the, here's what's interesting. I watched the second time with four people, um, and three other people, um, family members, one or two of them, mom and sister, they, you know, within five seconds of a film, they can be weeping. Neither of them shed a tear, not one. Wow. And I was really shocked because they cry at everything. And then the last like uh, fifteen minutes, we started talking. Um, <laughs> when when Eddie Redmayne is singing um, the the empty chairs and huh? empty tables, yeah, we were like we start we started discussing the film, and the film wasn't. They were like, oh, well, what about that? you know? We it was actually starting to joke around a little bit, and I was like, wow, that and it wasn't me instigating it. They just started talking, um, and I was really interested in that reaction because it was like they were done with the movie at that part, and they all liked it. But they were done with. They were like, "Okay, this is this is resolved as far as we're concerned." I'm curious as to how many people, and I'm sure there are a lot of people, all of those fans of Russell Crowe, Hugh um, Hugh Jackman, etc., who never, who did not know the story of Les Misérables, and this was their first experience with it, and they were overwhelmed or, or touched by the story. Um, now you know the story, uh-huh. but. So when you look at this film and its presentation of the story and the music, because it's pre- it's representing the musical, do you, what do you, what do you say about it? If you take take away credit for Victor Hugo, because obviously all credit goes to him, and 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 two, you have to take away credit um, from the original composers of the of the musical, uh, the three French guys. I have I don't have their names in front of me. Um, because that was already established. We have to take all of that and say, okay, Tom Hooper, what did you add uh, to this? What do you, how do you grade it in that context? The only thing I think he added was, uh, you know, the close-ups of the actors' faces. You can actually see the expressions of the characters that, you know, uh, of the story. And, um, it's the only way people who can't go to Broadway can see mm. what the whole thing is about. You know, it, it's mm. the it's the only presentation. I mean, the concert doesn't have the storytelling in it. It's just the songs. Because I've seen clips of the concert, and it it's not the whole theater. Mm, right. Well, it is. I mean, you get the whole you get the whole story. In fact. At least in that twenty fifth anniversary edition, you huh? get the the whole thing that's presented here and a tiny bit more. Really, but it's okay. but it's all song. And I mean, there's just some things that that Tom Hooper did shave out. And and I don't know if you noticed, but there are some tweaks in the order of things too, order of songs, um, which that kind of stood out to you. It it actually makes more sense what he did. But it did stand out to me. Um, so the concert actually had the the theatrical performance and the sets and all that or or not i thought they were just like you know gathered in costume and singing kind of it's a it's kind of a hybrid it no there's not like these elaborate sets it's one it's just one stage uh-huh. um but they but they do present the whole story i see um uh, I mean, in fact, there's this part when they go to the 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 second act and, you know, the whole barricades, uh-huh. what they do there. I mean, to me, I was more impressed by this simple thing I'm going to describe to you than I was 
with anything in this film. And that is when they get to just as they're introducing the barricade scenes and songs, all of the lighting structures that are, that are above them start to come down. I mean, it's obviously on purpose, but they bring the lighting structures really low and cross them up and make it look like a barricade. And as it were as they were coming out, I'm like, "What the heck is going on?" And then I could see, "Oh, these are gonna these are representing the barricades." To me, that was so much more powerful than the actual barricade scenes in the film. I don't know why that was, but I was much more impressed with that. So that's just to give you an example of of how they did it. When people, you know, they 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 walked in and out. Uh, they had like this tunnel. Uh, behind the main stage where people would enter and exit from as their as their cues came up but they use it as a transitioning thing and also they use it from like some storytelling for instance when Fantine and again we're in total spoiler bill when Fantine dies uh that's transitioning to the daughter uh Cosette, Cosette. it's it's transitioning to her uh, Castle on the Cloud, right? Uh-huh. So they're passing each other in the in the little tunnel below, and it's lit, and it's got fog and st- a small uh, smoke in it, and it's lit, it's silhouetted them, and they stop for a second because Fontaine's dying and the other one's coming in, and and then they both stop for a second, and it's just silhouetted, and you see Fontaine kind of look at her and stop, and then she goes on out. Wow! And Cosette I'll have to in. watch so, that concert. Then. Yeah, I'll send you the link to it, and okay. I'll post it in the in the in the show notes as well. Yeah, so that sounds. Awesome. It it's it's amazing. It's it really is. I mean, it, to me, it's much more of an emotional experience than the film was, and I and and that's because of the performance. It's purely because of the amazing performances. So I feel like there's better quote unquote acting in these very powerful performance than I got in this in the film, which is supposed to be. Um, offering even greater performances right and and i don't get that at all from it so all that to say it does present the story to you okay Um, and i forgot why i was saying that or what the original point was there um but it does it does definitely give you give you storyline okay Uh, well yeah you were responding to my saying that that's the only way i can you know people who don't get to go to broadway can oh yeah 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 see can can see the whole story with the music yeah yeah okay yeah that's right so yes and and no to that i I, i'm sure it did offer i'm sure this was the introduction to the story for a lot of people um and um yeah so i just wonder if how much credit is being given to Hooper and all the actors when it's really the story which resonates with us so well um, that that's kind of getting that credit transferred to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think that's happening to some degree. Um, but I'll, I'll just oh, say oh, this. You know, okay. I have um, friends who went to see this movie that yeah. would not have sat, sat through, um, you know, a, the 25th anniversary concert. Yeah, sure. Because yeah, I, I yeah I, I believe that. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that yeah I'll go see a movie. Right, sure. exactly. You know, but fact, you know, a concert, difficult. a two three hour concert. Wow. No. I don't know if you um, subscribe to George Takei's. Um, you know, he he has this feed on Facebook and Twitter. Oh no. Uh, he no. he sent out this one review. Uh, on his feed where this guy says 
So I went to see this obscure French movie, and uh, Wolverine starts singing, and then Catwoman <laughs> starts singing, and Catwoman has a baby at Borat's house, <laughs> and Gladiator chases Wolverine. That is <laughs> awesome. Stop, and then the whole, you know, uh, then we'll do a little time skip, and a whole bunch of kids get shot at uh, the <laughs> oh, end. <no. laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. But I I guess, you know, that that would be the advantage of getting the stars. Exactly. That's that's exactly it. Because they go Wolverine, Catwoman, and Gladiator. Yep. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. Um, So the soundtrack as a standalone listen, I don't know if you've been able to listen to it, have you? I have. Um, uh, My brother actually gave it to me for Christmas. Oh, nice. Yes. Uh, Yeah, I can't. I listened to it once. Yeah. I cannot listen to it again, <laughs> and would not have bought it if you know it weren't a gift. It was just uh, horrible. It's horrible. I mean, the, it's horrible. Um, the singing on film is bad enough, you know. Just yes. alone without the screen, you know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're definitely on the same page there. I'm kind of <clears throat> right in the midst of my review, so I'll, I'll hold back and just agree with you hold wholeheartedly on that point. Yet the thing is selling like crazy right now. Um, I mean, it's just selling. It's just selling like crazy. Well, maybe and there is uh, something to the power of the stars, you know. No doubt. There's no, you know, and it's hey, we, they want to relive. They want to relive the movie, you know, and they obviously can't rent it or buy it or you know any the actual film yet. So the soundtrack is is the best way to do it. And, you know, and I would say as a soundtrack fan, that's partly why um, I want to get the scores. Uh, to movies that I like because I want want to be able to relive the film without having to watch the film. I can relive it in part through the score. Uh, so I'm sure that's that's a big part of it. Uh, but the singing is not the part I want to relive. Yeah, that's <laughs> unfortunately. Now, if they had a score, I actually like you know the small portions when they had some instrumental yes. music. That was awesome. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and what's what what has upset me the most is it's actually the end uh, credit sequence at least the beginning of the end credit sequence that um is some of the best music uh-huh. and uh it folk it really showcases ann dudley's work because he's orchestrator on it uh-huh. and that's not on the soundtrack and i was like that's what i wanted to listen to more than anything well there's no and- score at all on the soundtrack is there not really okay. no it's it's just the song right Right. They need a uh, and, they need a score album. Yes, they do. I, I mean, and there is one for the Broadway. I mean, there is a full like a two disc um, release out there. It's, it's several years old. I think you can only get it used now. But it's all of the it's all of the score. And you know, since the music, it's still Schoenberg's music, uh, even in this film. It's just orchestrated by Ann Dudley. Um, uh, that 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 is out there for us to get. Um, I, I was. Looking and I found it on Amazon, so it's like a two or three disc set. That's all of the music, which I would really like to have. That, yeah, yeah, um, me too. Yeah. So Anne so, Dudley, cool. She, yeah, I, yeah, she's. I'm she a big fan of Anne Dudley. She does an amazing job, and and she gets nothing on the soundtrack, which is which is kind of tragic. What did you think about the one bonus song, the new song, "Suddenly"? Did you like that song? It's written by the original uh, composer and. Um, and lyricist, did you like it? Uh, no, not really. Yeah, I didn't. It, 
anxious yeah it, it, yeah i mean it was written specific I, I didn't know it was written by them first i was like oh this is gonna be bad when i heard that they were doing it um but it was actually written by uh claude michelle schoenberg and um alan boobiel uh it, it just didn't resonate for me yeah they weren't in the but, groove <laughs> it's been a long time right <laughs> but you know i wonder if you know 20 years from now <clears throat> those who were introduced to this through Les Mis, through this film and that soundtrack, uh-huh. you know, I wonder, I bet they'll just, it'll just all be, it'll all just be one experience. And they'll be like, what do you mean that wasn't a part of the original? Right. You know, if you're having that discussion with them, it's a great song. It fits right in, you know. So, uh, any Lynn, last thoughts about Les Miserables 2012? Um, so now I hope one day they will make a remake with, you know, Broadway quality singing. Yeah, that would be really I nice. Don't... Maybe it, like it with kind... real singers who act too, you know, like Madonna. Like Madonna. People no, like we don't her. want Madonna. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, she actually didn't suck that bad <laughs> in Evita. I don't want to see her in Les Mis. <laughs> no, no, not her. But, you know, people, you know, singer actors. I don't know. It's just like, I'll just watch a Broadway musical. If you're going to make a movie, make a movie. You know, make do what they did in 1998 and make a dramatic movie. No singing. If we wanted to see, if we want a musical, we'll go watch the musical. Um, I, you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if in twenty years they do do it again, uh-huh. um, especially because this is making so much money. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But I, well, next I, time, just, use singers. That's all I say. That is that does make all the difference. But Cheers. I don't think that. I mean, the formula is tried and true. You for this kind of movie, you got to have a list actors, a list stars that people know their names and will come to the movie. Just because of them. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe and, one or two, but not like, you know, four or five. Well, it's I mean, it's too many. Four is the, you know, that's the, those are the four main characters of the film. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I'm with you. I would, I would like as, it that as way. As few I, actor singers as possible. <laughs> no, let's see. It's like Mamma Mia, too. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, adaptation from a, a musical Broadway musical, and they had Meryl Streep and yes, Amanda Seyfried, and it was just horrible. Pierce Brosnan I... can't sing. Who did that? <laughs> you know, he's good to but look it, at, but, you know. but did it not get a ton of nominations? Uh, I don't know. I think it did. Uh-uh. I think I'm gonna look it up right now. Yeah, so it was star studded, but yeah, uh, I thought it got. I thought it got. I'm going to tell you right now, but I'm pretty sure it got nominated for some stuff. Um, it got nominated for uh, two Golden Globes. Yep, some BAFTAs and a Razzie. <laughs> <laughs> Worst supporting actor, Pierce Brosnan, and he was the winner. <laughs> he, oh, I wonder he if Russell so Crowe might be getting he one of those. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah, I couldn't. There's no way I could watch that. There's just no way I could couldn't i mean I, i'm curious though is is i assume that amanda seafried's voice is the same in that yeah just that very false that falsetto yeah ugh. it's the same it's just oh I meryl streep is actually not a you know too bad a singer but you know i'd put her up there probably with uh say hugh jackman but you know she's still okay. not a broadway performer yeah. 
again, same formula that right. you got to have big names, big stars. So, well, I think, I mean, my, my final thoughts are, you know, I, I, as I've expressed already, I, I'd have to say I didn't like this film um, because of the foundation that was set by hiring the actors that they hired, but it being a musical and that being the heart of it. If it was, if it was the hybrid Disney kind of acting with songs, I think I would have liked it more. But the fact that it was, we're taking, we're taking this opera, as it were, and making a film out of it. That says to me, first and foremost, you better have some people who can sing. And since it, it didn't live up to the standard set by the musical, that automatically knocks it down a bit. And then all of the other little things that we've talked about. In the end, I came out just shaking my head, and I'm like, I, uh, I, I can't sign off on this one. I don't. I don't think it succeeded. In my opinion, it didn't succeed at what it was trying to do, which was make a film, bring something new in film form to this musical that we know so well. I don't think it accomplished that. Probably not. And, and what? So, what's your final? Uh, I'd, st I'd still, you know, watch it again. I'd buy the DVD <laughs> and just put up with the bad singing. <laughs> so you liked it. I mean, I, yeah, you, I liked overall, it. you liked it. Yes, because, it, you know, it brings a visual story to, you know, the auditory experience of, uh, I've always had. So yeah. I, I want that visual experience. And it's the only one okay. out there now. So uh, until I see the 25th yes. anniversary concert. I really want so, – uh, when you watch that, I want you to email me. And okay, me I will. That. I will. Um, well, there you go. I mean, you have two two different uh, opinions on the film. I think I'm in the minority in the world. Uh, I think most people seem to love it for one – love Les Miserables for one reason or another. I do not. Uh, but I will be finishing my review hopefully by the weekend, and you can read all of my wonderfully formed – Hatred. <laughs> oh, no, it's not hatred. I think I, I think I have good reasons for feeling the way I do. I think you feeling do. the way I do. I think <laughs> but you do. There, if you do agree with me, please do email me or tweet at me. <laughs> I would like to have some support out there. Um, but thank you all for listening uh, to the Soundcast in this bonus edition. Uh, you can always contact us at soundcast at tracksounds.com. Let us know what you thought of Les Miserables. Are you, are you one of the uh, millions who love the film? and are crying and loving your crying, uh, let us know. If you didn't like it, let us know and let us know why. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail, and if you do, you might. If it's a good voicemail, we might include it in one of our shows, 407-512-0614. Of course, you can tweet at us, at TrackSounds, and we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash TrackSounds. Um, the podcast, this podcast, is on Stitcher Radio, if you use that. We're on iTunes. Uh, you can get our feed right off of our site at, uh, at Track Sounds. And we can always use your support. I want to thank um, our donors we got last month. We had a really high bill for bandwidth, and uh, we had a really large gift that was given. Uh, I want to say thanks to Alphonse for that. Um, that really helped a lot. And you can always help us if you like. If, if you're enjoying these podcasts, it's very easy. You'll see a PayPal donate button. Just click on that, dollar, two dollars, whatever you've got left in your PayPal account, you know, that would be uh, a help to us. Um, so, Ellen, thanks for coming on and talking about Les Mis. I'm glad there is somewhere, someone in the world who is bold enough to come on and talk about, of course, <laughs> about this of course. movie. I mean, you, you, you put your hand up right away. Yes, I, I did. 
So this was great. I enjoyed it. Um, uh, and uh, I think our listeners are going to enjoy it too. So um, until we are uh, together again on the internet, I think our next show we're going to be hitting up The Hobbit. I don't know when I'm going to publish this. I think I'll be publishing this before The Hobbit one. But our next episode following this should be The Hobbit. And looks like we're going to have uh, author Doug Adams on for that. So that's going to be a great podcast. So don't our episode, so don't miss that. So to, so until we're together again, we want to say in this 2013 year, may the notes be with you. We're